0: After an extended race weekend at Dover, we're going to be looking over each race and going over things such as Junior Motorsports' continued domination at the track, Ty Gibbs versus Noah Gregson, and Ross Chastain versus Martin Truex Jr. We'll also be talking about start times in the Cup Series, as well as was Dover revitalized by the arrival of the next-gen car. We go over all this and more on this episode of 3 Wide. So you had the Xfinity Series kicking things off Saturday at Dover. Uh, On the front row, you had Brandon Jones and Sam Mayer, which was kind of representative of what we were going to see throughout the race today, Joe Gibbs Racing versus Junior Motorsports. Both teams, they've had strong runs at this track. They've they've had good results. So it was just going to be a battle between these two teams who would come out on top. You also had Daniel Hemrick Racing with a broken bone in his right foot uh, from a crash at Talladega when he was in the cup race. So from what they said he had to get a special shoe put on his foot just to try and get as much comfort as he could in the car. Obviously having problems with your right foot is not ideal, but that was just something Daniel was going to have to battle through throughout the day. And it was another relatively quiet race, not you know you had your some single car spins and just a few multi-car accidents in the back of the pack. But Stage 1, as I said earlier, you you were seeing a lot of Joe Gibbs versus Junior Motorsports. You had Sam Mayer take the Stage 1 win, followed by Justin Allgaier in second. Josh Berry would finish in third, followed by Brandon Jones and John Hunter Nemechek. You also had Ty Gibbs and then A.J. Allmendinger. Noah Gregson finished in eighth. Riley Hurst in ninth. And Sheldon Creed came in tenth. So early on, you could see that. It was mostly dominated by those two teams. You had a little sprinkling of... Drivers from Colleague and Stuart Haas and Richard Childress. But stage two would really be no different. You had Justin Allgaier again get the stage win with Brandon Jones in second, followed by A.J. Almendinger in third, Josh Berry in fourth, and Ty Gibbs in fifth. You had Riley Hurst finish in sixth, followed by Noah Gregson in seventh, and Daniel Hemrick in eighth. You then had the Richard Childress teammates of Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill round out the top ten. And from there, it was pretty much Justin Allgaier versus Josh Berry for the for the win. Uh, you, behind them, you also had Ty Gibbs and Brandon Jones battling for some for a top five. But ultimately, you, the, your top ten, you had Josh Berry come away with the win, his third career victory in the Xfinity Series, and following up after a solid second place finish last year at Dover. You had Justin Allgaier finishing second, followed by Ty Gibbs in third, and Noah Gregson in fourth. Sam Mayer would finish in fifth, followed by A.J. Allmendinger in sixth. Brandon Jones would come home in seventh, and Sheldon Creed in eighth. Riley Hertz would finish ninth, and Ryan Sieg would round out the top ten. And the big takeaway from this was was Justin Algar regaining some much-needed momentum through the first four races this season. He really started off hot. He had four top tens and two top fives. However, since then, he has really been on a string of some some bad finishes, You had his best finish in that streak, uh, 14th place finish. After that, there were four finishes outside of the top 20. So today, he was able to uh, redeem himself in a way, finishing in second place, Dover being one of his better tracks. So it it was a step in the right direction, and it helps that we're going to Darlington next week, another solid track for him. So he's definitely looking to regain some momentum. Uh, He probably would have come away with a a victory or at least a good solid finish last week at Talladega. Just unfortunately he ran out of gas there going to the last restart, which spoiled what could have been a solid finish there as well. But still he he was able to be competitive and run up front for most of the day and able to come home with a second place finish. And really it was a strong day for junior motorsports all, you know, all together. They, uh, as I said earlier, this is one of their best tracks as a whole, All four cars finished in the top five. You had Noah Gregson up there, who's really been the best car for junior motorsports all season, got a couple wins, has been probably one of the better championship contenders for him. Josh Berry, who got the win in the Xfinity Series, he's had a quiet season, had some strong runs, just a few little bumps in the road. But overall, just kind of having a typical Josh Berry quiet season, he can sneak up and get a win and have a solid finish at any point. Sam Mayer looked like it was going to be a rough rookie season for him coming out of the gate. However, he has been able to uh, pick up some momentum in recent recent weeks, counting Dover out of the last five races. He's had four top fives. So he's really come on strong and and got his feet up under him, which is good to see for him. Having all these strong runs, that will eventually lead to victory lane for him at some point this season in the coming weeks. It'll be interesting to see what he can do get done at Darlington. Uh, I believe that's his first time at the track that I, I know of. I could be mistaken. And as I said earlier, the battle between Junior Motorsports and Joe Gibbs Racing, well, that kind of took a real literal turn on the track with hard racing between Noah and Ty Gibbs. Uh, coming out of turn four, you had Ty ahead of Noah had made a pass. I, and from what I'd read on the – I forget whose tweet it was – it said uh, apparently Ty was brake-checking Noah, or at least that's what Noah's team was talking about. Noah still was not appreciative. gives Ty, a bump coming out of turn four and, and pretty much stays on his bumper the whole way down the front straightaway. And as entertaining as the Sam Mayer versus Ty Gibbs rivalry is and, and will be, because I do not think that is over, I think this, if a, a little action kicks up between Noah and Ty, that could be even better just because you got two very similar styles of racing as far as aggressiveness. Noah, I think, has really matured on the track and and gotten a better handle on the car. But he has shown he's not afraid to mix it up on the track or off the track. So that that could be a a real good little battle as the season goes on, especially as we get into the playoffs, because these two guys are really the championship favorites. They've had probably the best seasons between all the drivers. Um, so say we get down to Martinsville and, you know, there's a spot on the line to, to lock yourself in for the next round for the championship. And if it comes down between these two guys, I mean, it it could get really physical and get really interesting to watch. So I'm all here for that. I I think Ty, the way he has raced all season long, it is going to eventually catch up to him, especially as we get into the playoffs. And, And he's shown that, you can rattle him pretty easily. He he can't take the hits as well as he gets them, uh, as we talked about after Martinsville. So the the field I'm sure is taking note of it, especially these guys that are in the playoffs. Your AJ Almendingers, your Noah Gregson's, Sam Mayer, obviously, and, and even a Sieg who's had a run in with Ty Gibbs. They're they're definitely going to remember these things. So it could be something that might bite back at Ty, but you know only time will tell. And we got quite a ways till we get deep into the playoffs. So all we can do is just sit back and watch and and try to remember these things as well as the playoffs get started and we get towards these tracks like your Martinsville and your Bristol's towards the end of the season. So now we have the Cup Series at Dover and what would turn out to be a two-day race event, you had the rain delay on Sunday, which would postpone the race until noon on Monday. And this was really going to be an unknown race for the Cup Series with this next-gen car. We've seen the next-gen car have positive effects and really improve the racing at tracks like Auto Club and Vegas. But we've also seen it, you know, kind of have a negative reaction to the racing, like at Martinsville or Phoenix. That that didn't improve, that actually in some cases made it worse. So it was kind of a coin flip which way it would affect this Dover race. You know Dover, especially in its recent run, is not known for as you know exciting sitting on the edge of your st- seat racing. The most exciting race that I can remember there, I can't remember if it was twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen, where uh, you had the the really exciting battle between Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, and Matt Kenseth towards the end. I know Chase was still in the twenty four, Larson in the forty two, uh, but that that was the last exciting racing that I can really remember at this track since then it, it just hasn't been the same and you know with this next gen car would it kind of revitalize the track would it you know improve the racing and or, or would it do the opposite and we would just have another really boring dover race uh starting out the race weekend we had the practices on Saturday and you had a lot of drivers struggling with the car you had a lot of drivers getting out of shape wrecking having to go to backup cars struggling to, to keep their car going straight, which really gave me hope coming into the race that, you know, anytime you see drivers struggling in practice, especially this season with this car, it's it's led to good racing. So it, I was hoping that would continue over into Sunday and now Monday um, and going into it I, I and coming out of it. I can't say that that I was disappointed. It was a really decent race so but before i I jump ahead and all that you had as i said the rain delay on sunday they had completed about 78 laps the race started at at two o'clock and that was really kind of the hot topic on social media about this race you know over the past couple years nascar has really pushed towards going to these later start times which is all you know fine and good as far as long as the track has lights you know when you go to tracks like dover or pocono or michigan and we get, you know, these rain delays pop up, you know, it can really back NASCAR into a corner just because they don't have the the lighting system to kind of delay it as long as they can into the nighttime. It's not really going to affect them. When, when we go to these tracks, you, you know, starting late like this, I, I don't know why NASCAR continues to make this decision. It's something that's really kind of been a thorn in their side since they've moved toward these later starts. I mean, I just think if you're going to these tracks that does not have proper lighting, there's no reason why you should be starting that late. You should at least give yourselves a couple hours earlier, a green flag time just in case that kind of gives you that little cushion. You know, cuz NASCAR's made great improvements as far as drying the track with the new Air Titan system. It's really, you know, improved drying time for these tracks, but still you know, when you're starting a, a race at two o'clock, if anything substantial, any rain comes, you know, it's just about impossible that you're going to be able to get the whole event done in this one afternoon. So that that was a lot of people's complaint on Twitter, and I agree with them. You know, they should really look, especially with the, the schedule, possibly, you know, for next year. Looking at these tracks without lighting, you know, I'd go ahead and push it back, say we're going to start it at 12 o'clock. Or even, you know, 1 o'clock. Just give yourselves an hour. That can make a a huge difference in things sometimes. So, but I'm not the one that makes those decisions, neither is anyone else on social media. Obviously, it probably helps when NASCAR gets on there and sees, you know, such an outcry from fans. that Hey, you know, we need earlier start times because people, we got to go to work on Mondays. We're not going to be able to catch the race. We got to depend on social media. You know, and when we want to sit there and we want to watch the races, especially people that buy tickets to it and and don't aren't able to stay and watch the race, you know, after spending all the money they have to to get there and to get a seat, it's almost a cheat for them that they don't get to witness it in person. Because for some people, that might be their only race they get to watch in person, you know, or it might be their first ever race they're going, and they've just left with a sour taste in their mouth from it. So, hopefully, NASCAR can. Straighten that out here with this next schedule. You know, I'm not sure how set in stone things have to be before they can release it or talking with the tracks. So we we may not see any changes for this next schedule. It may be the next year. We're not real sure, but hopefully in the next month or two, when we see it, we'll we'll find out soon enough. So jumping right into the race after all the discussion about the scheduling, stage one, you had Denny Hamlin come away with the stage win which was really about the, the main highlight of his day. You had Chase Elliott finish in second and Christopher Bell with a solid third-place finish. Ross Chastain able to finish in fourth, followed by Martin Truex Jr. in fifth. Kyle Larson came home in sixth, followed by William Byron in seventh. You then had Chris Busher in eighth and Kyle Busch in ninth, followed by Brad Keselowski in tenth. So after stage one, you, you see Chris Busher and Brad Keselowski up there you know, so a good solid start to their day, especially for Busher, who got his first career pole on Sunday. And that was the the big question on my mind was could this translate into the race or was it just the way they had the car set up to help the speed and get themselves a solid starting position? Obviously they were able to, you know, have a good setup overall and get a good some, some stage points at the end of stage one. And during the pit stops after stage one under caution, Denny Hamlin uh, he, he's leaving pit road. He loses his, uh, left front tire coming out of pit road. You actually, you know, saw a little side-by-side race as who would get to the pit line first, the tire or the, or Denny Hamlin. Um, so that will be an automatic suspension for his crew chief. And I believe also the tire changer and the uh, Jackman. Again, I don't agree with that penalty, especially with these new tires, you know, we're seeing pretty regular tires falling off these cars. So I, I don't know if they need to restructure this whole suspension plan. Cause I don't see how suspending these guys sending them home is, for four weeks is going to help them. You know, I, I think, especially with this new tire, you got to be a little bit more patient with it. Let these teams figure it out. If you want to say, okay, you lost your tire, go to the tail end of the longest line. Okay. That that's fine. But for these guys, lo- losing time together for four weeks, that just seems like a little overkill. And that's pretty much Denny's race, I mean, really kind of fell off a cliff at this point. He uh, he had a lot to overcome. He had some more incidents, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. Ultimately, after uh, all was said and done in stage two, you had Ryan Blaney come away with the stage win, holding off. Kyle Busch, Blaney, he had older tires and and it was a very impressive job by him to hold off Kyle who had fresher tires. It was some good hard racing, nothing dirty or over the top. Blaney just did an excellent job blocking Kyle's line, keeping him from getting by him. You had uh, Alex Bowman come away with third and Martin Truex Jr. in fourth, followed by Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in fifth and Ross Chastain as sixth. Eric Jones able to get some points, finishing seventh and Harrison Burton was able to, worked some pit strategy, finish in eighth, followed by Chris Busher in ninth, and Chase Elliott would round out the top 10. So it, with that stage finish, it really showed, you know, if it came down to it at the end, if you had older tires, it was possible. If you could block the runs just right to, to stay ahead of the fresher tires. Uh, but we, we really didn't ever come to that point. There were so many issues with the tires. You had some drivers, you know, having flat tire issues like Tyler Reddick and Ty Dillon. They had some issues pretty much on the same lap, losing their their f- right front tires. So tires were very important for this race, but it was very impressive to see Ryan Blaney able to hold off a hard charging Kyle Busch to get the that important playoff point and those 10 extra po- stage points. So from there we had uh, quite a few cautions break out between stage two and the end, and it really – you know, a lot of teams doing some different pit strategies, and at one point, a caution came out just as the leaders were hitting pit road, like Bowman and and Kyle Busch, and that really threw everything over on its head. Uh, Ross Chastain, he had, at this point had kind of gotten in the front and was leading quite a few laps. You still had Chase Elliott up there and Truex. So, some of the main players were still up there competing for the win. Ultimately, Chase Elliott would come away with the win, followed by Ricky Stenhouse Jr. with an impressive second place finish. Ross Chastain would come home in third, followed by Christopher Bell in fourth. Alex Bowman would finish fifth, followed by Kyle Larson in sixth. Kyle Bush was able to recover and finish in seventh place, followed by Chris Buescher, you know, taking advantage of that pole position. He was able to get an eighth place finish. Kevin Harvick had a quiet, solid day, finishing in ninth. And Eric Jones rounded out the top 10. And for Chase, this was his first win since Road America uh, that last summer. And it was his first race win on an oval since Phoenix 2020 when he took home the championship. So, and at this point, Chase, he was the regular season points leader. So, he was able to extend that lead. And really, it's all been on consistency. You know, we've had so many drivers, new drivers up front winning races you know and drivers struggling to to find consistency that that has been kind of the key part to this regular season championship battle chase he's completed all but two laps on the season and he has eight top 10s to two top fives so even though he may not be up there you know in the top two top three every week getting all those top 10s having a a solid average finish and i mean his worst finishes are a 14 and then one i believe it was 26 you know able to minimize your your poor finishes is kind of, you know, like what Matt Kenseth did back when he won the championship in 2003. But Chase was able to break through and get the that all-important win to truly lock himself into the playoffs. Um, and it was also a strong day for Roush fenway Keselowski Racing. You know, at one point in Stage 2, you had Chris Buescher in third and Brad Keselowski running eighth. So obviously they had the a good setup for Busher. this is one of was one of his better tracks especially in his infinity series days he was able to get you know stage points in each stage get a solid top 10 finish and while brad Kozlowski, the finish may not show it he was able to uh, finish in 20th place but throughout the race there was a, a lot of comers and goers all day which is which is what i enjoyed the most there never seemed to be like one true guy who was you know pretty much pacing the field, lapping cars left and right. You had a lot of different strategies going on, especially the way the cautions fell, and, and it allowed for to see some different drivers up front. I mean, at, at one point in the last stage, you had Justin Haley leading laps, running second as well. Brad Kozlowski was able to get up to fourth. Bubba Wallace running in the top five, and Suarez able to work himself into the top ten. You know, and, and, and that's that's a good race to me. I I, I don't like... You know, sitting back and just seeing one guy pretty much lap the entire field. Nobody can catch him. Their only hope is on restarts, and that isn't much of a hope. You know, it's nice to see these guys doing different strategies, able to get runs, able to have, you know, some tire fall off. It, it, it makes it more entertaining for me anyway as a fan, you know, and seeing drivers, you know, struggling. Like I said earlier, you had Denny Hamlin who had a bad day after losing the tire, he had also some heavy damage from a spinning Cody Ware, where he lost a good chunk of his you know, right side door. Uh he would come away, I believe finished in twenty first. So he his season of struggle really continues. If he didn't have that win in Richmond, he I think he'd be in pretty bad shape, which even with that win he's not in the best shape. But he he is looking better each week as each week goes along and the playoffs get closer, especially when you know You have guys like Tyler Reddick and Joey Logano and Kurt Busch struggle during the race, you know, and we're getting to the point in the season that, you know, consistency is going to become really important if you don't have any wins, you know, getting these solid finishes, getting stage points at a premium that is going to become bigger and bigger as each race goes along. And for those three guys I just mentioned, they have no wins. You you want to start seeing some some stronger runs, more consistently, some better finishes. You want to see more stage points just to try and get yourself in a better position if it comes down to it, you know, to lock yourself in on points for the playoffs. You know, and, and Denny, that's where he's got a, a leg up on these guys. He already has that win. All he has to do is just Keep trying to find, you know, some consistency, some, get some momentum to kind of more solidify himself better for a playoff spot. Um, you know, a, a, as we get further into the season, this you're going to see the aggression level pick up. Drivers are going to start battling harder for stage points, and if we get into a position towards the end of the of races where a guy's running second, like a Reddick or a Kurt Busch or Logano, and they don't have a win you're going to see them probably start making more aggressive moves than they normally do, just trying to get that locked-in spot. So going on from that, Ross Chastain, who's had, you know, is having a career year. This is, you know, kind of what we were hoping to see out of him after his runs with Chip Ganassi Racing in the Xfinity Series and and even last year in the Cup Series. This is a guy who's really worked his way up to where he's at now, kind of in an old-school way. He, he's done his time with his smaller teams. He got his opportunity and he made the most of it. So, and, and Ross is a very aggressive driver also in, in an old school way to me. You know, he'll, he can give it just as well as he can take it. He has no problem blocking, racing hard, getting the most out of his car. He wound up uh, crossing paths with uh, Martin Truex Jr., especially on the last lap. Truex, I believe, had kind of run out of patience with with Ross as the laps were winding down. They were battling hard for a uh, third place, and coming out of turn two on the last lap, Truex trying was trying to get a run on the outside. Ross kind of drifted up in front of him, slowed down his run, and Truex he wound up you know kind of losing control and hitting the inside wall, which pretty much ended his his chance at a top five. So obviously. And and Truex was not happy after the race. He went straight to Chastain. They had a conversation. And afterwards, Ross even said, you know, I probably could have left him a lane up there, you know. But, I mean, to me, it's the last lap. You know, everything's on the line. You're trying to just finish as best as you can, hoping for the best. I I don't see where Ross has anything to apologize. It's not like he he doored him into the wall on the last lap for, for third place. He just simply... Drifted up, blocked Truex's run, and, and Truex just lost control of his car, which we saw all weekend was easy to do. So, but but Ross is another one. He he's definitely ruffled some guys' feathers with the way he's raced so far this season. But that's nothing new with with Ross, and it doesn't seem like it really bothers him. He's going to go out there and run his race, which rightfully so he should do. Uh, I I haven't seen him do anything just dirty, just low down, taking somebody out. He just races hard, has no problem blocking, bumping, doing whatever he can to, to get ahead. So that, that's going to be another interesting thing to watch as the season goes on is, you know, does someone get tired of it and use Ross up? You know, I me mean, personally, I hope not. I don't think any Ross has d- crossed that line to cause that, but Stranger things have happened, especially, you know, when you get into the playoffs. Now it's time for my favorite part of the show where we put the spotlight on drivers who may not have come away with the trophy or the victory, but they were able to get some solid finishes, able to make the most out of what equipment they had, or whether it's they had to overcome something throughout the day and were able to make the most of it, or drivers who were able to get solid finishes in dire need of it, For me in the Xfinity Series, I'm going with Sheldon Creed. He has got his uh, fifth top ten on the season. Uh, So far he has no top fives. It's it's definitely been an inconsistent season for him. He'll get a a top ten or two and then kind of fall off for a week or two and and come right back with another solid top ten finish. So hopefully one of these finishes will kind of click with him. He'll be able to start rattling off some top 10s and maybe sneak up for a top 5. Definitely got a good shot at it coming up at Darlington, where he was so dominant in the truck series last year. Uh, Interesting stat for him this season is he started in the top 10 in all but two races. So he's good at qualifying. He's able to get good starting positions, just unable to really kind of follow through with it and get a solid finish. Sometimes he just gets caught up and... Things that aren't necessarily of his own making, you know. I remember the the wreck at California. He got caught up in there towards the end. Uh, so hopefully, Sheldon, he, he's a good driver. Hopefully, can can start getting some cons- some consistency. He's definitely got high hopes on him as well as his teammate Austin Hill. You know, so we'll see if he can kind of step up and, and get some more top tens and top fives on a consistent basis from here on out. On the cups cup series side is uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is my spotlight driver. Uh, he he has shown speed early in some races. He's been able to get some stage points, you know, in stage one of, of a handful of races this season. But he just hasn't been able to close out the race. Today w- was a complete race for him. He was able to finish in second. He got stage points, you know, some good solid stage points in stage two kept his car clean and really spent most of the latter part of the race in the top 10 top five, just able to click off positions on restarts and was able to get a second place finish his best of the year. And it was actually his first top five on the season and a second top 10. So Ricky is one of those guys with this new next gen car. A lot of people looked at have a better season, you know, since the car is kind of more, you know, it depends more on the driver. It kind of highlights them more, uh, but unfortunately, just has not been able to get the results, and in some cases, it's you know just he's just had stuff go wrong, whether it's mechanical or caught up in accidents. Um, but today, as I said earlier, it was a complete race for him. He was able to show what he could do with this car. Um, he, he's always a threat at these super speedway type races, you know. So Atlanta and Daytona are going to be two tracks to definitely watch him. But Ricky is definitely. You know, a, a upset contender. He could, you know, come out of nowhere like he did today at Dover and, and get a win. And if he does that, you know, it's really going to throw the whole playoff picture in a loop. He sits 27th in points right now. So, you know, who knows what could happen. If he can start getting some more consistent finishes out of it, putting himself in a position to take a gamble or take a risk and, and try to get himself a victory, it will definitely hype up you know, in what looks like to be an exciting playoff run. So now looking ahead to this upcoming weekend schedule of races, we are going to have action across all three series at Darlington Raceway and it's throwback weekend on Mother's Day weekend. So it's going to be fun to, to watch and see all these throwback paint schemes on TV or in person if you're going to the events. And this this is a very fun weekend. I love to see all the different, you know, throwback paint schemes. We've seen the pictures, the renderings, the drawings, Everything you know on our social media, or if you get on you know websites, you can see pictures of them. But to see them in person on the track, if they're under the lights or under the sunshine, it's completely different. And there are several cars and trucks that I'm looking forward to seeing. And on that note, uh, we're, we'll probably swap up next year, next not next year, next week, our uh, spotlight section instead of spotlighting the drivers, you know, who. Drove, you know, drove the wheels off their vehicle, and and really got after it and got the best finish that they could. Why don't we do a spotlight on the best throwbacks, and we'll do one for each series. I'm gonna wait till I see them in person to make my my decision, or at least on the TV. Not really. I want. It's not like I'll be there to watch it, um, unfortunately. But if. You have any ideas or you got your nominee who you would who you think was the best throwback paint scheme of the weekend, you know, you can find me on Twitter at three wide three is my Twitter handle. Send me a direct message. You can, you know, Tweet at me and, and let me know what you think is the best throwback scheme. Or, I uh, tell you what, you can even send me an email. Uh, you can send it to three wide podcast at gmail.com. That is the number three wide podcast at gmail.com. You know, shoot me an email. I want to hear from you. I want to see what y'all think is the best throwback scheme of the weekend. I've already got some in mind, but like I said, I'm going to wait till I see them on, on the screen, on what they look like on the track, and before I make my decision. But send me what your your ideas are, and maybe I'll I'll shout them out for you. Uh, looking ahead at the races on the truck series side, you have Sheldon Creed, who is the defending winner. Uh, as, as of this moment, he has not entered in the truck races, so we should see a, a different winner in the truck side this weekend. Uh, Creed, he you know was able to sweep the races last year there at Darlington. Uh, On the Xfinity side, you have Justin Allgaier, who won last year at this event, and Junior Motorsports, they swept both Darlington races last year. And on the Cup side, Martin Truex Jr. is the defending race winner, and Joe Gibbs Racing is coming off a season where they swept both Darlington races last year. So a lot of one-team dominance or one-driver dominance last year at this track. It'll be interesting to see if Allgaier can build off the momentum he got from Dover, finishing second, and go back to victory lane. Or will we see someone like Sheldon Creed able to kind of carry that success at Darlington from the trucks to the Xfinity side and just build even more momentum, try and get some more consistency on his car? And on the Cup side, can Truex repeat as a winner? Or will uh, another JGR teammate come away with a checkered flag? Denny Hamlin has been very strong at Darlington, so this could be a good place for him to try and get another good solid run. Or will we see someone else stake their claim and and win and possibly lock themselves into the playoffs or, or get another win on the season and, and build more playoff points? You know, it's going to be very interesting to, to see, and it'll all start with the Truck Series at Darlington. I want to thank you again for joining me and listening along. I hope if you haven't already you hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast from on apple google Podcasts, spotify or stitcher you can also find me at anchor.fm slash three wide three and i hope y'all have a good rest of your week and have a wonderful mother's day weekend and enjoy throwback weekend at darlington raceway where we will go back over it same time next week